0: Hey friends and welcome to another episode of Fresh Aesthetic, the show where we embark on the search for truth and meaning through creativity, art and pop culture. I'm your host, Stephen Garton, and today's episode is an interview I did with Elsie Andrews. Elsie is an illustrator based in Northland, New Zealand, and is known online by the name The Lonely Islander. This conversation was so fun, and we looked at a whole heap of things, from racism at school from teachers, to balancing mental health with a thriving side business, and a whole heap more. I've been super excited about this conversation for a long time, and can't wait for you to hear it. Last week's episode, Dreaded Deadlines, was part of the series Matt and I are diving into, where we share our own creative processes with you, in keeping with the theme of the season. Make sure to go back and check it out if you missed it. If you enjoy this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend and leaving a rating on Spotify or a review on Apple Podcasts. But enough of me talking and on to the interview. Let's hit it. This is exciting (laughs) here with Elsie Andrews. Have I got your name right? Yes, that's it. I was just thinking because I usually ask guests um, as a first question how you would introduce yourself to someone you've never met before. And I thought how fitting that question is, considering you only just met me tonight.
1: (laughs) Oh, my gosh, yes. It's something I've I've always been asked this quite a few times, especially over, like, Zoom calls lately. Like, oh, you know, everyone just introduce yourselves. And I low-key really hate it, but... you're right, like if you've just missed someone, you probably want to like give your, I guess, best foot forward. So for me, um, so yeah, my name is Elsie. I am a digital illustrator and artist. Um, I am half Fijian, half Pakeha, New Zealand European, and I have been living in Northland Whangarei for most of my life now. Um, I did do brief stints over in Melbourne where I did like a three-month course in graphic design back in the day now and also in Auckland in 2015 where I made some pretty amazing connections with other Pacific artists but I've always been a small town type of chick I think so try to live in big cities and keep up with like the amazing creative community there but I think just being around so many people so many buildings kind of not being used to, like, a lot of greyness. I just wasn't vibing with it, man. So, yeah, I've fully, like, based myself up here and love it. So that's a bit of me.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of was introduced to you. Um, our flatmate uh, works with you, obviously, and, yes. um, uh, like, put me onto your Instagram page, and I was yeah. just kind of scrolling through your illustrations. I was blown away oh, by man. just the yeah. local talent. Like, it's always oh. awesome when you see yeah. someone from your own town who's doing cool stuff like
1: that's how i feel man i feel like there is heaps of talent and a wealth of knowledge out there that's kind of just hidden especially in small towns like whangarei whereas if you were to go down to auckland or wellington that's it's a hub a so you every second person i met was like doing some cool shit um whereas here i found it a lot harder to find more yeah more creative people and just them just doing cool things all the time um but in saying that like instagram and facebook is an amazing resource to connect with people all over especially instagram for me um, that's how i really got my i guess start in my i guess, development of personal style i want to say so so that whole lonely islander persona came from the first lockdown in 2020 so like you you know like we've got all this time at home and like a lot of people started picking up like just hobbies that they've always wanted to try or do like the odd project um, that they've been I guess like putting off you know because of day-to-day life for me it was a really great opportunity to really hone in on who I am as an artist, who I am as an illustrator, because up until that point, I've always been trying to try other people's styles like, oh, I'll try black and white and be like, you know, really vogue and fashion style and then realize that just wasn't me or I'll try another style of um, artistry. And it's just again, it didn't seem to fit. So that that first lockdown, I think, really kicked off who I was as an artist, which is this Pacific illustrator that doesn't necessarily have the same level, I guess, as the stereotypical loudness or extrovertness as a Pacific Islander would normally be described.
0: Right, okay.
1: Um, So it was a good sort of culmination of that. And that's when I started to get kind of like more commission offerings that was way more aligned with my own style and values and colours and everything like that after that lockdown was, yeah. Yeah. Just how it kind of all came to be.
0: Yeah, that's that's so cool. Um, cause I was wanting to like ask you more about the indigenous side of your mm. art and kind of what inspired you to get into that because yeah. like I've noticed recently it's been like I'm I teach music, that's my day job. And yes. what I've noticed, which has been so cool, is how much um Mori has been coming Yo. out from local yes. local New Zealand artists and they've been translating heaps of these um, popular New Zealand songs into Te Reo Māori. Oh, and it's, yep. it's amazing. But And it's just showing this kind of shift where, mm. like when I was growing up, it just was non-existent, that yep. um, that dive into Indigenous culture and into the oh. land and what connects us to the earth and things like that. Mm. Um, and I've loved seeing that come out as kind of like a, I hesitate to call it a trend, but it, mm. it, it, it it's a trend in a good way. It's
1: almost like a renaissance, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. The, That's a the better rebirth, word. I like yeah. Yeah, better than trained. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, no, man, you're you're right. Like, I'm just thinking back when I was in high school and I took art all through five years. I've always been like heavy into um visual arts from I don't know, since I was in primary school, I guess. But yeah, you're right. Like a lot of the artists um that we studied were all, you know, European, Italian um artists or you know, Pākehā artists that kind of, yeah, did all right here. And we did only do like a little bit or we did only just touch on um, Māori artists. And it's a real shame because I couldn't even tell you the names of them now because it's been so long ago. Um, But yeah, in the last, I don't know, I guess it's that whole sort of, again, that rebirth of social media and um, Indigenous and Native people having access to um this technology and being able to show their world and their perspectives and all of a sudden they've we've all been able to kind of like vibe and connect with each other on that level and I think it's really started to like kind of exponentially just launch this huge pool of talents like I follow quite a few Fijian artists in Fiji like these homeboys are living like in the village man and they are so skilled and it's crazy to me because I would have never been able to like see their work weren't it for those digital platforms and just their vision is so unique and original and I'm just so excited to see what they can do because now you know in the past they would have probably never had that opportunity to share their work on the in the way that we can now for free especially you have probably had to go through some kind of gallery space and everyone has their own biases and all that kind of stuff and you know they might have been funneled out um very early whereas now it's like it's all eyes on everyone but I guess the the downside to that is that there is that pressure to continuously make 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 art all the time so you're constantly on people's feeds and that can I guess result in maybe work that isn't as of high quality as you'd want it to be um, but yeah it's very exciting but there's also risks I guess involved when we do get to see like amazing artists especially who are indigenous do a lot of like cool original stuff but I just worry that there's going to be that sort of burnout effect as well. Yeah.
0: Wow. Yeah. There's there's lots in there to, yeah, to talk about. Let's let's go. <laughs> We're getting um, deep. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Straight off the bat, I love it. Um, normally, people need like this, like wind up to go deep, but oh. I love that you're just straight in with the.
1: I think yeah. I think I've just been lucky enough, especially in the last couple of years, to really be around some like crazy smart people. You know who are also. Um, You know, not just Tangata whenua, but Fijian um, or, you know, there's people over in Australia, you know, and the indigenous people there who have had like the pleasure to even just listen to and just hear them like kind of just go on the stream of thought and you're just like hanging on every single word, man. And just you can tell they've like really lived. What they're talking about, whether they're talking about, like, you know, the land that they're on or the people they've spoken to or if they're artists, like, they've really, I don't know kind of, they're deep thinkers and you can really feel that. So it's something I definitely aspire to be and I just try and take it all in, eh? So. Yeah,
0: that's amazing. I love that and I love because um, I've just definitely been under people like that or found people like mm. that and it's like striking gold. Like Yo. you were talking about before when you find like a cool artist in a small yeah. town like what we live in. Yeah, um, It's like that when you've been like, you've been hungering after something and you don't quite know what it is, but um somebody yeah. comes along and you're like, that's it yeah you've got yeah. it and you just want to sit there and like like pick their brains yeah. on everything or they'll just
1: they'll just say things the right way that's yeah. in your head and it's like that's what yeah. I want my artwork to be I want it to have wow. that feeling that kind of like I don't know like nostalgic feeling and I think at the end of the day I just want to make like just real shit you yeah. know and not really necessarily, like you say, you know, follow sort of trends as such, but um, always seek inspiration from your own lived experience, whether you're, yeah, it doesn't matter what background, but as long as it's yours and it's authentic, I think people notice. Yeah, Yeah. that's
0: so awesome that um, that that is actually coming out now because I feel Mm. like it's been stifled for a long time. And, I mean, there's a huge shift in um, NCA, like this is my bread and butter of what I do every day, but there's a huge shift towards actually – incorporating um the treaty into uh the curriculum and like it's always been there but um it's just uh, it's a tough one because there's so much whiteness and we just Mm. don't know what we don't know we don't know how to like bring it in well without just being like tokenism like a head nod or just like ticking that box eh? box. that's exactly what i was trying to say um and it's it's. It can be like you're stuck almost in your tracks of like, what do I do? I'm not sure how to do this well. Um, but like just... Hearing the stories, like I'm preparing a unit of work at the moment, mm. all about um, like some songs that really dive into the culture of our land, and 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 I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying the Man. learning that's coming from it, and just yep. seeing how the journey also that these artists have gone on, like like your Stan Walker, like yeah. um, Six Sixty even, and Lord, it's crazy. Yes. She released an album today. It's
1: oh, it's mind wild. blowing.
0: It's it's like that's so cool and it's, it's so cool that it's not like I don't know. It just seems accessible to everybody.
1: And they tend to do it in like the best way possible. Like with Lord, she just did this really cool. Oh, I was like this photo shoot thing. And my mate Tash was part of it. She's Fijian and her friend Hohoa was part of the um, production as well. And it was just like really cool to see her utilize, not just like fantastic talent, but like fantastic indigenous talent, where they can really respect like not just the land they're on but like the clothes that they're wearing and who they're using and what they're trying to represent i think it's like just so badass and i'm glad to hear that you guys are yeah nz day is it Oh ncea is
0: N-Z-E-A, the, the right. kind of the standards and what you I should
1: know that i took ncea that's
0: all good we forget everything right after we leave school right
1: it's out man but yeah i'm glad that yeah Trying to, yeah, incorporate it without making it, yeah, tokenistic or, you know, it's not very, it's all very not so surface level, I guess. They're trying to, I guess, make it really ingrained into the curriculum. So that's exciting. That's good. Yeah. And I guess it'll be cool for you guys, yeah, if, if that does open up a sort of opportunity to get people in that can even take that further where it's, you know, like, I don't know, just other teachers that do live, you know, and are extremely knowledgeable about the treaty and all Yeah, that I mean it's amazing yeah. the people
0: you meet along the way just yeah. just from the mere fact of having to go and do something like like put a unit in place that has um decent connections to mm. um to indigenous culture and things like that. it's it you learn so much and it's great yeah. if you're willing to put in the mahi to actually mm get into that because it yeah. is hard it, it, it takes yeah. hours Yeah, and I can see why it would might put people off. Cause it's, it's, it, it's a steep learning curve. Like yeah. learning a language is, <laughs> I oh, mean, not that you yeah. have to like be fluent in the language, but I, but
1: no, you're right. Like yeah. even for me, like my lang, my, I'm I only know how to speak one language and that to me is quite shameful, you know, cause my mum's full blooded Fijian and we're from there. So the fact that I can't really communicate with my family on that side is yeah it's it just sucks really so but in saying that like that's something I can control now it's definitely like something that I've been slowly trying to pick up over time but you're right it is hard because it's easy for us to just fall on to you know English as that you know first colonized language I suppose but it was also sad because we're on, we're not from here, like neither of us are. So we need to learn, you know, the language of its people. So that includes te reo Maori. So that's also something I've got in the back of my head where like, if I really want to further myself, not just artistically, but as a person, I a hundred percent believe that picking up another language is going to get you there because it's a different type of thinking as well. Like, even when I hear my mum talk, there'll be some words I pick up or she'll even say things a certain way and in English it might not, like... It might have a like a literal meaning, but the feeling is different. So it's just all those sort of nuances get lost in translation, literally. And when you know the language, when you live in it, you get this whole other layer of like meaning as well. So I think, yeah, language is so important for everyone not just creative people yeah
0: yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm just blown away by the richness of of learning a culture like I'm um, my mum's uh she taught English and French um back when she was working and it taught me a love for language mm. um and inspired that in me so I've always had that love for sound and language and just like getting it right and not just yeah. like actually trying with the pronunciation and and yeah. tr- trying your best and things like that but yeah yeah, it is. It has inspired me because, like, as a Pakeha, like I've often felt when we talk about culture, I'm just like I don't feel like I really have one. I know that's not true, but it, it just feels like you're kind of a hodgepodge of <laughs> no culture. You know <laughs> yeah. what I'm? you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yep. And, and like, just digging into yep. Maori culture has been so inspiring because you find out a bit about yourself. Like mm. just going like just the connection to land. I know I keep coming back to that, but the feeling of um, just being connected to land is not really something that Pakia do mm, at all.
1: That grounding, They kind eh? of, they
0: have the ownership mentality of yes. we own this yeah. piece of land. Whereas um, for Maori it's much different. And yeah. um, that's just been so like, yeah, just spiritually enlightening. It's great. Yeah. yeah.
1: I think, yeah, I think you really like hit something there. Cause I was talking to my partner about it not too long ago, but I feel like there's a lot of Kiwi people here, let's say that, um, that I feel are kind of just like lost souls and there's not that sort of grounding behind them. Whereas I think with a lot of Indigenous people, they've been brought up in a very, you know, hold fast community. Like you say, there's that intense connection to the land. There's an intense connection to your family and, um, and those values that come with it. And I wonder if the modern day Kiwi person or even Westerner in general is trying to fill this void with other ownership or materialistic things rather than looking back on in and in themselves um, Yeah. And so like you'll see people like maybe fill that void and it could be like in the form of how they present with themselves, like trying to look different with different clothes. It could be like the way they mark themselves with um, the tattoos they might choose to have because it looks cool. Um, It could be, you know, the type of food they eat. They want to, I don't know, like adhere to a certain diet and that could possibly be their personality trait. So it's all these sort of things. And I wonder, I don't know if it's right or wrong. This is just like me kind of trying to understand us i guess as a country especially our generation like if we're just trying to bring all these things into our lives and f- fill a void when really we should be having a very strong community like uh, maori people or even fijians like i've always been really lucky to grow up even in whangarei especially in whangarei where we've been lucky to have quite a strong fijian community already so that Included us going, celebrating Fiji Day every year, doing the meke, trying to learn, you know, um, social customs, trying to spend time with our aunties and how they do things. And just like telling stories as well, I think is a huge part. It's just connection over stories. And I wonder if that's just lost with a lot of Pākehā people. I don't know. You I, probably it, know more
0: than me. Oh, well, do I? Because I've obviously not haven't been in touch with my culture. I remember yeah. asking that same question at a yep. at a, a teacher thing, and I, just because you can sometimes feel a little lost, like mm. uh, or, or like no, I don't want to. I, I hesitate to say feeling left out because I mean, mm. come on, white supremacy, uh, mm. like. Um, Privilege, all that, <laughs> that kind of FOMO. stuff. Like, you know, <laughs> come on, cry me a river. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah like it, it's just, it is cool to to start to dig into that and think, actually, there's some really good stuff here. And if you're willing mm. to learn, if you're humble enough to actually go, you have what? I don't have, or, or you've—that's all it is, really. Yeah, you've you've d- dived into it in a way I haven't, and I love that. And I just, yeah, yeah, it's it's really inspiring to do that. I'm curious, have you ever found that you've um, faced like discrimination in any way, or just in terms of the stuff we've been talking about, mm-hmm. or I don't know, yeah. what's been your experience? Yeah, in that, in that I, feel like,
1: I feel like like every kind of brown person is. Right. Um, experience some form of discrimination in their life like knowingly or unknowingly mm. really like um, there's the classic examples of being followed around the shop you know and having eyes on you constantly oh, when you're yeah. trying to browse for things um, there'll be other times oh actually there was this one time I was in high school and I took chemistry in year 11 and I was actually going all right like I was doing a pretty I was enjoying it quite a lot and then the teacher like okay so backstory so i went to pompalia which is okay yeah very caucasian <laughs> but, <laughs> but i had a fantastic time there it was really okay. cool anyways um went to pompalia took year 11 chemistry class and i was doing all right and then the teacher decided to pull me aside and um talk to me for a second and she was like hey elsie i just want to say for someone like you, from where you're from, oh, you're doing really well.
0: And <laughs> you serious? I'll, yeah,
1: no, like the, that happened, man. And, That's
0: like textbook racism.
1: And I do, but I was like too naive, too nice to like really register right. what she meant by, but it still stayed with me because I was like, this is the oddest thing I've ever heard in my life. Wow. Like, And I just kept humming and it because I never really knew what, racism was until high school. Like like it was a huge jump from my primary school, which was in Hikarangi, where it was mostly brown kids. Right. And the school was, even though it was desire desol- one, it was amazing. Like the teachers there were amazing. Um but yeah, like it was only during that point I was thinking, whoa, that just I don't know, that sounds weird, man. I feel like that's not really a compliment. Um so that's probably the most memorable Experience, but then I'll have like, I remember all other comments like, Oh, you're really beautiful for a brown girl, you know. So that's another classic one that every so if you're a brown girl listening, like, you've probably heard this at some point. Um, (laughs) but yeah, I mean, and even just the way I don't know, I'm just trying to think now. Like, I used to work an insurance job back in the day, and like, just the way they'll kind of talk about. People that aren't white um, would be a bit problematic. It's a, oh, I'm just trying to remember now what exactly happened. Oh, that was it. Um, so it must have been four years ago. I didn't serve this guy Uh, A co-worker of mine did, but I still, it was a very open plan office. And the guy was just decided to launch into like this whole political conversation about Trump this, Trump that. And, you know, like, look at the type of people that are in our jail system at the moment. Like they're not white is basically what he said. And it was just like all this shocking stuff, but it was horrible because like i'm hearing all of it my co-worker is hearing all of it but they're not doing anything about it and it's like cool i'm not like no one's going to back me up in any of this you know what i mean like if if something like this happens it's really on you like you can't rely on other people to say the right thing um so yeah there's there's definitely been uh, more than unfortunately more than one instance of discrimination Um, whether I knowingly see it or maybe when I don't even realize it at the same time, you know, like I'm sure there's others, but it's just not coming to mind anymore. So unfortunately, yeah, definitely experienced discrimination, but I think in a weird sort of messed up way, it makes me work even harder. So like, you know, at the end of the day, I can't change who I am and what I am as a person, but what I can do is be proud of who I am. So Like an example is this is back in high school, I used to hate going out into the sun because I wanted to be as pale as possible, which is absolutely ridiculous. Whereas now I want to be like outside all the time. And if I get dark, then that's even better because that's just who I am as a person. So it's just, I think, Being more comfortable in your skin and just showing it off like through my work, through my interactions with people, how I talk to them, how they interact with me um, and just trying to get as much value as I possibly can out of everything that I do. That's the best form of, I guess, revenge, you want to say. But if I can be seen as much as I can, then that's that's the best outcome. But, yeah, de- racism definitely exists in New Zealand. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, for sure. If
1: someone says it doesn't, they're lying. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, or they haven't experienced it. They don't yeah. know. Um, yeah. And, and, yeah, it's not until you really either see something firsthand. But even then sometimes, like you yeah. say, people turn a blind eye and you're saying you couldn't even trust the people in your workplace to speak up. Yeah. So,
1: yeah. yeah. And I have guess re- it was really tough for me to kind of like realise that because I've always – grown up to like intensely respect your elders. So that means never right. talking back to them, never like, like you're, you're lower and they're higher. So whatever your elders say or uh, elders says, that's how it goes. So there was that other sort of, I guess, sub layer like, of trying to like a sub layer of conflict within myself as is seeing this person saying all these horrible things and then you're trying to like fight within yourself like I need to be respectful my elder but they're saying things that are just totally not okay with me so it's that internal struggle where how do I stand up for myself how do I defend myself or how do I kind of call them out but then somehow still be respectful or just throw that out the window and not be respectful because that is also earned as well so it's that whole inner conflict that I have to experience as well. Yeah, up.
0: yeah, like a cognitive dissonance. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious about how shame has played a role in this because I know it mm. can so easily, and I was just resonating with some of your stories that you're talking about from school. Mm. Obviously not in the same way mm. as my experience was obviously different, but I still experienced heavy shame from incidences like um you know, I don't know, something at school happens and you just feel this huge sense of shame, like you mm. can't be yourself because yeah. who you are is just somehow not yeah. quite right. Oh, yeah. And I'm just curious like how much – because you, you said how it kind of made you work harder and I definitely, definitely ex- have experienced that, Um, how like a sense – like a wound, it creates a wound inside mm. you which makes you want to work harder almost to show people like, yeah. like – that revenge word you said.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and and, and it drives you to succeed. Like it, yeah. it definitely creates really good work because you're like pumping out the stuff to like to show people. Yeah. Um but I'm curious, yeah, has that been your experience of what fuels your artwork? Has yeah. it been has that played a huge role or is it other things? Or?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. And it's probably not like being fueled piss people off is probably not the most (laughs) healthiest thing but at the same time if like to me if I can create artwork that I'm really proud of and there's a positive outcome of it then that's my end goal however I don't want to be angry all the time to make cool stuff you know so it's that sort of I guess 50 50 split where you know there's that drive to make sure I make sure that everyone can see how i guess you know great i can be or can develop to be but i also want to make sure my drive my energy also comes from the love of the people that i do care about and making sure that they're proud of me and are proud of the type of work that i do put out because at the end of the day like when i do put out you know, artwork that's especially inspired by my heritage, I need to make sure that I'm honoring those people, especially my mom and her family. I don't want to put out stuff that they, that, you know, can be reductive or derogatory or, you know, tokenistic as well. Like I don't want that at all. I want it to sort of be, you know, Not futuristic, but sort of like In a sense, forward thinking, exciting And feel good Like I want to make sure I make them see that in my artwork and that they're proud of me to put out, you know, a piece of them almost, you know, through my artwork. So that's, there's that split as well. So like half of it is me enraged and the other half is love from my family.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's, that's so cool. Um, Like it, it, and I, uh, yeah, I've got a sort of a similar story, I guess in a way, but Mm. um, my motivation for creating, I think definitely for me came from a wound for a long time. Mm. Um, and then I read a book. Uh, it's called Falling Upward by Richard Raw. But it completely oh. like turned my whole thinking upside down and like just kind of wow. revolutionized my motivation. Yeah, and I, I was. I, I don't know. It just really hit me so hard. Um, but it it changed the way that I I view creating or or even just doing anything in general. Mm. Um, and kind of gave me a new perspective there. Yeah, and it links in quite heavily with like i've had a struggle with mental health for a while mm. and like anxiety and just mm. working through that for myself but um yeah and i and i would because i remember you, you were saying earlier about um like burnout and yeah. how like coming from this place of like being angry or wanting to prove something can mm. lead to or or just being in people's news feeds because it's such yeah. a it's such an intense thing. Like I felt it too. Like, Oh no, I've got this thing. I ne- okay. I need to be on TikTok. I yeah. need to, I need to follow all of the, the, the social media things and blah, blah, blah. And it just becomes this like lump of stuff mm. on top of your day job.
1: Yeah. Yes. Which same. is just like
0: yep. there to solve the bill problem. How do Although we do it? Eh? I, I, I love my day job. Don't get me wrong. I I, I feel like that came across wrong, but <laughs> it, it's more than just paying the bills for me. I, I yeah. really do enjoy my job, but um, at the same time, like, I, I would love to be able to just sit down for three days straight and create. But, yeah. Um, I mean, who knows if I would do oh. it because procrastination is very yeah. real. But I guess mental health is such a key, key issue. Yeah. And I, I really want to hear your thoughts on how you have either gotten through it yourself with like juggling your day job with your Mm. um, illustration on the side or experience of people around you or just what, what have you got in that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're right. Like having like, there is this thing about, I guess, having a day job as a creative that can feel sort of a bit, I don't know. I always felt like it was a tiny bit shameful or like I didn't consider myself as a real artist or illustrator because my art or illustration wasn't, my main source of income, but I feel like it's only just recently I've gotten past that where it was a case of like, you know what? Yeah, I might have a day job, but I'm an artist at the end of the day because this is what I enjoy doing. Like, I'm not going to let my bill paying job dictate, you know, what I identify to be, you know, I'm not going to reduce what I do down. And it is a big sort of workload to juggle, you know, a full-time job, do art on the side, do commissions, and then in between that, I want to make sure I go out and get active and go to the gym. I think that's a huge part of me keeping a good mental clarity is working out. So doing something that's physically difficult is a huge like benefit to me to kind of release a lot of stress because you know if you're at work especially if you're at a desk job you're doing this that and that's fine but then you go home and you're by yourself and you're doing all this work and you haven't released any sort of tension from the day already I think that can build up and then that's when I sort of start to experience a lot of burnout and I think it helps me keep a clear head because if I go to the gym and I do something just like really hard for even just I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes, You're, I'm instantly going to feel better afterwards from the endorphins that you get. And then all of a sudden I've got this really good sort of reset in my head thinking, right, okay, I've let all my energy out. I can sit down. I can sort of work my way through the, the work that I need to do because it can get a bit out of hand, you know, and it's great because I'm so thankful for these jobs, but it can get overwhelming when I'm like, Fuck, like I gotta do two projects by the end of this week, and this email's come back and they need stuff fixed, and you're trying to do all these things in a timely manner, and they don't even realize you're actually doing 40 hours of work in 20. Yeah.
0: You know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah.
1: Um, but they don't need to know that. Um, but yeah, it's just I I do come across people where they feel, you know, like they can get a bit overwhelmed and stressed out, and they think that they don't have enough time. I think that's one of the pinch points is a lot of people are quick to say, Oh, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to that for that, but it's quite rarely people are time poor. It's more of a case of lack of good time management. And that's something I've had to work on. um, especially in the last sort of two years is really like hone in on how I want to use my time. And just even like, changing the way I talk about my time. So instead of, you know, sort of thinking, oh God, I have to do this. I have to do that. I want to look at my time and I have to really value it now. So whatever stuff that doesn't add value to me, is just no longer like relevant, whether it's like putting a limit on how much time I spend on, you know, social media, or if it's, you know, like, uh, even, I don't know, seeing some friends, for example, like I'll have to I might have to put like a time limit on that or even just cutting certain people out of my life that I don't have like a working relationship anymore. Not like I have knowingly, but it's just sort of, you shift your mindset of like, this is how like time is so short and I'm going to value it. So whatever I do put into it, I want to make sure I'm the happiest from it. So it's, it's a good way for me to, not feel burnt out as easily and not have like as many again not like I do but not have as many maybe like breakdowns (laughs) from from being so busy all the time but it's just one of those things where like I found what really works is yeah one physical exercise is a huge part I think people need to do hard shit all the time maybe once a day, but all the time in a week. Um, and just being really kind of almost brutal with your time as well and who you spend time with. Um, those are probably the two biggest things I've found really mitigate any kind of stresses, anxieties, burnouts, anything like that. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's fantastic. Um, and I, I love that about exercise, you had so much other good advice in there as well. Um, it's so practical and it's yeah. um, like I love cycling and I love getting out, but yeah. man, I because I work two jobs and run a podcast, so um, Insanity. life's crazy, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, plus you want to just keep up regular old like relationships, you know, like right and invest time into those and not just be a workaholic, so yeah, yeah. um, the struggle is real, but. I, whenever I get out and do exercise, I always love it and I'm always like, Why don't I do this more often? Yeah. But just getting out there and doing it, I, I do find that hard, especially if I've got a mountain of work to get through. Mm. Um and I just feel guilty, like that I need to be doing that work yeah. or yeah, but man, bad. every time after I after I exercise, um I'm just so much happier yeah. or just you feel like ah I've just burnt off stress, I think. Like, literally. just burnt it off. Yeah, yeah. It's literally. crazy.
1: It's, oh, like, I can't even tell you how, how like, highly I rate exercise. Like, it's really, like, it seems a bit silly, but, like, our bodies are made to move, right? Yeah, so, totally. So, yeah, especially as creatives, you know, like, it's even more important because the type of work we do is very kind of, you know, like, solo. You're, generally sitting down or kind of in one position for an extended amount of time and I feel like you're a bit more productive if you exercise before doing like a you know a big project like you don't want to exercise to the point where you can't function but once you're done it's like all that sort of procrastination stuff that happens you know while working kind of I don't I guess teeter back a bit more and you feel like well personally I feel like I'm just more in the zone like right I've just spent an hour doing this now I've got two hours to really like smash this out
0: yeah. and we're good and like taking natural breaks like I I, Mm. I play the piano and like in my practice times I find like you can just have that temptation to oh god i just got to smash out an hour's worth of practice and like nothing's going to stop me but you feel those natural lulls and you're like oh I just got to push through it Yeah. but man I've found that if I just like get up and do something else have a glass of water like it it's so much better and I'm so much more fresh when I come back. I'm like, That's just seems like a a good hack for that. Yeah,
1: that's so true, man. Like every now and then I'll just like get up and just go for like a walk outside, like just around the backyard or whatever, just to get that fresh air, look outside, (laughs) you know, have that, you know, I guess connection to nature, if you will. And then, yeah, you just like you say, you just feel way better. Like you feel like a human being again.
0: Yeah, um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love that stuff about like, sc- like social media, scrolling feeds and how cutting that out can actually help a lot. Mm-hmm. And, man, like when Apple introduced the Screen Time app oh. or feature <laughs> – what an eye opener for rough. people like that was <laughs> rough and it's still rough yeah, yeah i mean like part of my job is looking at screens all yeah. day but then you get off that and you're just straight onto another screen right. get off that you're straight onto yep. another screen yep. it's like my Amazing. goodness do i just hop from screen to screen yeah. for infinity um yep. but man like because i ditched facebook quite a, I must be like two years, oh, maybe not on. quite that long, but maybe a year and a half sober off Facebook. Honestly, um, better
1: it, than most. <laughs> it
0: changed my life. I was like, and I did not miss it once. Nah, like, don't bother. Like, it's it's nah. a mess
1: on there, mate. It's I mean, mess.
0: I do. I did find that I was just like, okay, Instagram. <laughs> so yeah. so that was- You a, find
1: something else. <laughs> that's right,
0: that's right. And, and even if like, okay, I, I know Instagram's like creeping up in the uh, time on the on screen time app, uh, delete the app yeah trade me (laughs) (laughs) um something else it's like your brain is just like just
1: filling the looking for
0: something yeah filling the void um it's yeah uh, i
1: think yeah i think it's one of those things that it's just going to be a fact of life like for now and in the future and it's just i just really hope for future generations that they're a lot smarter with how they use um screens in their phone and technology because um, i got to remind myself like this whole social me- social media thing and apps and all that is still relatively new and yeah, our brains yeah, yeah, yeah. are so like kind of caveman-ish to handle that level of technology so <laughs> <laughs> so i'm hoping in like future generations instead of say like aimlessly like scrolling through apps or whatever they're going to be utilizing it a lot more efficiently whether it because like if you think about it like we have access to almost like all the known knowledge of the world on our phones, but we're on Instagram. You know what I mean? So like that the developers and all them have really tapped into the sort of need of humans to have like a sense of community and we don't really use I don't personally utilize it enough to just learn new stuff. Like I do, but it's like it's not enough. Like I'd rather just go on TikTok and look at funny stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Look at nacho memes, nacho libre memes.
0: (laughs) And there is something to be said for um for scheduling time scheduling in time to do things that you love. Like that's something that I really like honed in on in therapy Mm. was just um just 'Cause I just get way too productive. That's my kryptonite. Just <laughs> like the the drive is intense. It's like you you just feel like you have to be achieving or producing yeah. things all the time or yep. or somehow like you're not as worth worthy yes. or valuable or something. It's so stupid Mood. when you say it out loud. Yeah. But But um, they're
1: feelings though. They're all, they're valid feelings, eh?
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. That's but right. um <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like my therapist was like, just schedule in time to do nothing in your day, like maybe 30 minutes and it's valuable. Like it's mm. just as useful as 30 minutes of achieving something. Cause you're mm. resting and life isn't all just an exhale. Like I shared this uh, last week, I think, but um, it's, it's, it's inhaling and it's exhaling. It's, it's not just one thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so taking that time to pause, pause, just to breathe is like oh my goodness, it's yep. so good for your soul. Yeah. Um, and just time to to do something you love. Yeah. Because even like I would get so frantic or so manic and like it's stuff that I would be sitting there doing something I love as downtime for myself, thinking, mm. oh, I still need to do that job, yeah. and I'm not enjoying what I'm doing. It's hard to be present,
1: eh? Yeah. Yeah, And I I feel like I've got that toxic trait now just thinking about it and thinking about the things I've said. Maybe I should go to that therapist as well. But (laughs) it's so, like, you're so right. Like, there is so much value out of just being still and being present and just, like, not having to feel guilty for just doing nothing. I think that's another big part is, like, I've got a lot of guilt if I'm not being productive or if I'm not doing something for a purpose. Like, a lot of the best artwork I've created I personally think is from like the times where it wasn't for anything like it was just something that I felt and I just did it because I wanted to not because I had this sort of motive to like oh I need to put up a new Instagram post I need to like do this or create a new print or whatever like I think there's a lot of unknowingly or like without even trying there's a lot of like cool stuff that can come out of just doing nothing and just being present um and resting like it's such a rare thing i think for a lot of creative people to do is just rest because it's so i don't know like especially during these uncertain times um there's a lot of un kind of need to constantly like be making stuff because we're just in this famine mode you know what i mean especially if you're making a lot of trying to make a lot of money or a lot of your income from your arts like you're just like okay i need to survive and i need to constantly work and then you have no time to to rest be present and meditate on i don't know the day or even just doing nothing like i think it's such good advice and i probably need to take it <laughs> <laughs> i don't know, not, I, don't know yet. I constantly
0: <laughs> share good advice and then don't listen to it myself uh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i feel that um what would you say about like um like i don't know tips or whatever for finding your voice because um this is something that i mm. have definitely journeyed through throughout throughout my um my short life so far but um it's just I mean, I've struggled a lot with imposter syndrome, just feeling yeah. like, I mean, I did suck when I first started, I'll be honest. Like, I, Who um, did it yeah, though? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you kind of got to embrace that, eh? But um, like that imposter syndrome of thinking I'm not good enough, this is this is terrible, yeah. it's never going to be good enough, that was never my problem. My problem was finding my voice, being confident with mm. that and actually, like you were saying before, like um, looking at or trying on different styles yeah. for size, seeing if they yeah. fit. And then, like, I don't know, just finding where you sit, but also uh, yeah. not boxing yourself in at the same time and going, oh, I just do this.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's uh, That's still something I kind of, like, struggle with even now. Like, I think after trying to, like you say, find different styles and try, you know, does it, is this me? Is this style me or not? I think I've just kind of come to the realisation that – people will see through uh, I guess poses if you want to say like people who just want to do say a certain art style because it's the current trend right now and it's not really them because trends don't last long but if you've developed your own identity and style that's what's going to like have a lot more longevity and a lot more meaning so when it comes to finding your voice I guess for me personally I've literally just looked back on, on myself. So seeing where I come from, um, hearing, you know, talking to my mom and just listening to her stories, looking at old photos, that's a huge thing for me is looking at old photos and just trying to capture those old memories that I've got from living in Fiji, even if it was for such a short amount of time, like that's still a huge part of my identity. So I want, I've got this sort of like constant, I guess, yearn to like go back home and to that time period in the late nineties without actually having been there. And I think that to translate that, you know, if you're a creative person in any field, it's kind of just figuring out like who you are as a person, um, whether it's just, yeah, looking at, if, if it's like me, looking at old, you know, photo albums, I think talking to your parents and your elders is a huge part of that as well and a good way to ground yourself. Um, And yeah, and, and then you're kind of like building yourself up from there and then looking at your like interests and conversations with mates, like I've always found that super inspiring. And just, um, yeah, and then kind of like weaving together the story of yourself and then the outcome, you know, could be amazing or you can like develop it even further. Like, for example, when I first kind of like dubbed this Lonely Islander thing for my Instagram, like one of the biggest inspirations for me, apart from my heritage, was actually my love for like the galaxies and the stars I've always loved sci-fi movie so I sort of wanted to incorporate that kind of stellar cosmic reference into my artwork in some way and then some and then people kind of liked it and even if they didn't I didn't really care at that point you know so because it it was me and it was real so I think yeah if there was some tips I was going to give it was that just look back on yourself talk to your family members or you know close people um and weave together your your story of who you are
0: yeah, that's so good. And I, uh, oh man, I, I have struggled definitely with caring too much about what people think. Yeah. Same. And, I, and I, and I love that you brought out that, I, I that you just didn't care at, at a point. Cause yeah, I, I had to come to that point. Yeah. It's I, a journey.
1: It is a yeah. journey.
0: You're right. And otherwise you just end up, you're basically not doing anything for yourself. You're yeah. just doing it for somebody else. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, um, yeah, and I ne- I was never sort of that person from the ge- from the beginning of not caring about other people's opinions, but I think one of the best pieces of advice or comments I ever received was from a close friend of mine where I was like, oh, I really want to open my own online shop and sell prunes, but I'm like terrified that it will fail and no one buys anything. And he was like, so what if they don't like, wow. and I was like, what <laughs> That's so good. and he was like the sun's still gonna come up tomorrow you just try another thing or you keep going and that fully like just that one comment like it's so silly and simple and like common sense but it was just something i've never sort of thought about mm. because i've always been terrified by the idea of failing but oh, then same. yeah but then he's, he was like well what happens after it nothing happens so what if some people like don't care or whatever it's like you can still keep going and to me that was just like phenomenal phenomenal like it was a huge game changer and just totally flipped the way i yeah fat uh like presented my work talked about my work as well you know so yeah i think that was one of the biggest moments for me
0: yeah that's so good like um it was definitely a case for me with starting this podcast yeah I was so scared nobody would listen. Yeah. <laughs> I have zero listeners. Um, yeah. So yeah, definitely feel that what oh. you said. Yeah.
1: Well, hopefully have a bit more listeners after this. But <laughs> it's, but you're like it's just one of those things, eh? Like you just got to be so consistent. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, and I don't think enough people realize that as well. Like, you're not going a lot of the times. You're not going to have an overnight. I'm doing air quotes. Overnight success as soon as you launch something, you know, as soon as you put up your first um, podcast or first piece or whatever, like a lot of the times it needs to be, I think good things are a slow burn. A lot of the times where you just build, build, build. And so long as you've got your kind of like core values in place and this is who you are, like then the right people will come to you and the right people will listen to you. Like, don't expect to sort of like, just assume that people will magically find you and then like, it's all go from there. Like it's one of those things where you really need to like work through it, suffer through it. <laughs> I think people don't, another thing people don't realize is like sometimes great art comes from like a lot of suffering.
0: Oh, yeah. and, <laughs> and like, um, that definitely would, leads me to my last question and I'm just, I'm conscious of your time as well. I want yeah, to respect that. But, um, yeah um on the show we talk a lot about how struggle shapes the journey mm. and um like including like including and transcending your struggle and yeah. how that creates character in yourself but it also like just makes you more at home in the world yeah. I feel and um yeah I just love that lesson but how has that been for you has how has struggle shaped your journey well that's a tough question. Yeah, save the best for last.
1: Yeah, damn dog. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I guess it, it was. It's a really cool question because I guess I like I fully believe that sometimes really great, a lot of the times, really great art, art does come from struggle and like you really like mentally trying to like go into your depths to try and make this complex idea but for me at least kind of visualize it in the simplest way possible you know and I think like I said before like when there's that level of thinking behind it it should you know last more than hopefully your lifetime because there's meaning behind it um so the way I might look at things is like when I do art, is there going to be a story behind this is who's going to resonate with it? Are they going to resonate with it? And it can take, you know, a few days for me to just literally mull over things like just thinking about ideas. Like for example, um, there's this group exhibition coming up and I was just thinking about the theme and trying to like, I guess, figure out what the whole point of it was for me at least and with the theme and how do I answer this question? Um, and so, a lot of the times before I even put pen to paper to sketch things out, I'll just be just thinking about things. So like, what does archiving mean to me? What does this present time mean to me and how do I visualize it in a cool, surrealist way? So I think you almost got to be those ancient Greek philosophers sometimes where you just got to sit with yourself for a while. I think that's a, thing that a lot of creative people can do and should be doing is just don't even bother going straight to pen and paper to sketch something out or like go on to the screen or youtube whatever to look at like inspiration or whatever but just kind of think about life a little bit and and read maybe that could be another source of um, reference but I think yeah meditation is like a huge point for me to kind of struggle through and then out of it like it's almost like a mental workout that's what I, okay there it is that's what i'm saying stephen is a mental meditation is a mental workout for me and that's how i kind of manage struggling with ideas or like even just trying to push through um things that i don't fully understand yet and that's what i'd yeah call it with mental workout meditation feel like there's a better way to say that, but that's what I'm going with.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> You've been helping me get my words out today. So, like, I kind of lied when I said that was the last question. This one's that's real short. Um, what message do you most want to communicate to people through your art and, wh- and what you do?
1: Oh, man. I think... Closing statements are really hard for me, but I could even just do it as bullet pointers, I suppose. I guess what I want people to kind of get out of my art is a sense of joy, but also a nostalgic homesickness where I'm like I'm happy in the space that I am and I'm making this bright, cool digital artwork. But there's also the kind of. The pang of pain when you think of fond memories or the old times where things were so much simpler and, yeah, more fun and, and just different back then. I think that's what I want people to see is that that nostalgia. Yeah.
0: That's yeah. awesome. Oh, thank you so much for being here today. I was, oh, I was, thank you for having me. been a great conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, where can people find you online? What's oh, the best place?
1: Yes. Um, so probably Instagram. I'm most active. So my handle is Elsie Andrews underscore illustration. Um, or you can search up The Lonely Islander and it'll pop up. Um, otherwise, I've got a website where you can buy artwork and other stuff on there, which is lcandrews.com. dot com.
0: Awesome. And I'll put those in the show notes as well. Well, that's been great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Yay,
1: thank you so much.
0: Thanks so much for listening, everyone. I was so encouraged by this conversation and Elsie's positivity and support for local artists. I enjoyed so many things about what she said, but I think one of my favorites was the importance of creativity and keeping it relevant in the midst of busy lives. In next week's episode, Matt and I will be talking about the problem with trends. If you'd like to support the show, head over to our Instagram page and give it a like and a follow. And if this episode helped you, then consider sharing it with a friend. All right. I'll see you all on the next one. Keep it fresh.